we're going to continue with our series in Acts. Uh, Pastor Josh has been picking on me. He said it's going to be a two a two year series. It's okay. I can handle it. I've been picked on most of my life. I'm okay. We're going to keep on with Acts because the Lord ain't said to go any other direction yet. So uh, we're we're in Acts chapter nine and we're on week sixteen. I told you we would go slow. I told you we would go slow, and every time I try to skip something, the Lord says, nope, go back and preach that. I'm like, okay, yes, sir, whatever you want me to do. Today, the title of my message is Loaded with Possibility. Loaded with Possibility. Look at your neighbor and say, or ask, are you loaded with possibility? My wife's not in here today, so I'm going to pick on her a little bit. I've shared this story once before. And I didn't get reprimanded for it, so I'm going to go ahead and share it again and take a risk. Uh, but when we, were, when we were much younger, living in Jennings, and all of our kids were young, I was working a lot, and I came home, and I had to mow the grass. And at that time, I, le- I lived in a, in a subdivision with, with a small yard, and I had this little Honda self-propelled push lawnmower. If you're going to buy tools, buy the best, right? It's a Honda. That's just a plug for Honda. I don't get no credit for that. But, but I had this Honda self-propelled push lawnmower, and, I, and I'd been working a lot and hadn't had a lot of time with the kids. And I came home, and the grass was tall and needed to be cut. And she said, baby, I'm, I feel like cutting the grass today. I'm like, I believe in miracles. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. She said, just go spend some time with the kids. So I jumped on the trampoline. Me and the kids were just having a blast on the trampoline. And Cheryl's in the back, and she's pushing this, this lawnmower. And I mean, it's like two passes, and she's sweating buckshots. I'm like, ooh, she's out of shape. <laughs> she had just had kids, y'all. I mean, come on, you know how it is. And I'm like, golly, man, you know, she's sweating a lot. And, and then she, she makes a couple passes. She comes back. She goes, this is hard. I'm like, yeah, woman, you need to, you need to understand, you know. And, and, she, and so she makes a couple more passes, and I'm looking at her. I'm going, hmm, she's really working out. I'm like, this is wild. And she goes, she goes, I don't know how you do this. Like, why is it so hard to push? I said, well, you're not supposed to push it. You're supposed to pull the lever and it's self-propel. Well, why you didn't tell me that? I said, I thought you were, I was about to say work it out, but then I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and so you can have the best tool in the world, but if you don't know how to use it, <laughs> yeah, things can get really difficult. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Are you loaded? with possibility. Today I want to talk about healing, miracles, and those things of the sort. One of the themes we've been learning in the book of Acts is that as believers, we should always, I'm going to say it again, always be ready for God to use us. It's a theme. If you haven't caught it yet, I'm telling you right now, you need to catch it today. You need to always be ready for God to use you. Opportunities are all around us. We need to expect them. We need to be prepared for them. And when an opportunity presents itself, we need to step with courage into the opportunity that presents itself. You don't need to wonder if God wants you to speak or move in that situation. You just need to step into it and then in the process discover God in it. Because you'll never discover God outside of it. So when an opportunity presents itself in front of you, here's the clue. It's for you. (laughs) You don't need to wonder. You don't even need to pray about it. You just need to step into it with courage. 
And by the way, your knees can be shaken and you can still be courageous. But I was scared. Do it scared. Go with me to Acts chapter 9. I want to show you something in Peter. We just finished up with, with Saul, uh, had his Damascus road and, and um, experience, and he's totally transformed, and he starts preaching. I believe this is the moment where, we, where, where Saul goes into the three years where we don't really hear about him. And, and I talked about this last week, how he goes in a three-year period of kind of silence, and, and, and he's really digging in with Jesus and how it's important for all of us to have a season of digging in, a season of getting to know Jesus. I used this analogy last week from G. Campbell Morgan. It says that, it says that God was getting the revelation of Jesus to Saul, and that's what happened on the Damascus Road. Then the three years that he spent, God was getting the revelation of Jesus in Saul, and then afterwards, God was getting the revelation of Jesus through Saul. So it's got to get to you, in you, to get through you. Come on. And so a season with Jesus will never leave you bankrupt. So Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 32. Follow along with me. Meanwhile, Peter traveled. So we're jumping back to Peter now. Peter traveled from place to place, and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named uh, Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Verse 35 is the coolest of all the verses. Then the whole population of, of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around, and they turned to the Lord. Not just some, all, the whole population. There's approximately 11,000 people in the city of Eunice. They need to all turn to the Lord. Yeah. Verse 36, there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial, laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby in Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing, the, showing him the coats and other clothes uh, Dorcas, which is what her, her name means, had made for them. But Peter asked them to leave the room. Now pay attention here. Then he knelt down and prayed. Watch that. He knelt down and prayed, period. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers and presented her to them alive. Peter goes on a mission. He's traveling from place to place. He's loaded with possibilities. He's packing. I'm afraid some of you have been more worried about your pistol being loaded and ready than you have the power of the Holy Spirit. So we picked up the story with Peter traveling. Do you know that as you go throughout your day, 
you run into opportunities all around you. It doesn't take much to find out what somebody's going through. You can be at the gas pump and you can get somebody's political view within 30 seconds. Right? Much less have a 10-minute conversation with them. You could probably find out most of their history. And chances are around here you'll be related. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you know it's true. If you don't want to know who you're related to, don't ask. But these were opportunities to bring glory to Jesus, and we got to understand that today, that these opportunities that pop up in front of us are opportunities not for us to shine, but for Jesus to shine. They're opportunities to bring glory to Jesus. What does that mean? That means bring attention, affection, awe, and wonder to Jesus, not to yourself. I don't want the credit. I want to give all the credit to Jesus because he's the one that does it. I'm just his representative here. Amen. So the opportunity is not really for you. The opportunity is for you to give glory to Jesus. So take the opportunity, let Jesus move, and see the glory go to Jesus. So Aeneas was his, his first victim. His first opportunity to show Jesus in a real way to people in that community. He was crippled. Everybody knew about him. He had been on a mat for eight years. It wasn't a complicated miracle. Isn't it funny as humans how we always complicate things? Well, you got to stand in this position and you got to say, Lord, heal you this way or else it ain't going to work. Wait, but how do you stand? I, don't, I can't get the stance right. No. Peter walks into the situation. Somehow or another gets introduced to Aeneas, and he walks up to the guy. He don't even pray. Did you see this? He didn't even pray for the guy. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, pick up your mat. Boom. He didn't have to show off his prayers. He didn't have a word of knowledge. He didn't have to use any of his spiritual gifts except faith. He just walked up there and Jesus Christ heal you. Get up and walk. And boom, it happened. Can it really be that simple? You see, I think there's something messing with our heads this morning that says, can it really be that simple? The only way you'll know if it's that simple is the day you walk up to somebody that's crippled or the day you walk up to somebody that needs something and you say, Jesus Christ heal you. Get up and move. And boom, and you go, it's that simple. It's really that simple. I didn't even get my blood pressure up. I didn't pop a vein in my neck. I didn't say hallelujah three times. I never said praise the Lord. I never went into my quiet time for, for a half hour, told him to wait right there. Let me have a quiet time with Jesus, and then, then, then he'll heal you. Nothing. You see, he was already prayed up. <laughs> For the 1,360,000th time, it's important to wake up, put your feet on the ground, and give God all the praise and glory and honor and talk to him before you start your day. I did it this morning. I rolled out the bed, put my feet on the ground. I said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in this day and be glad in it. And I have no clue how my day is going to go. He was loaded, prayed up already, wasn't left lacking, 
He wasn't found lacking. He was ready. He was loaded with possibility. (laughs) I think God's looking for people that are loaded. Every day, loaded. Loaded with possibility. Then we move on to the story of Tabitha. So in the story of Aeneas, the whole population turns to the Lord. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes my mind will drift off and I'll start categorizing miracles. Like Aeneas is cool, but he was still alive, right? Like he just got use of his legs now. That's that's cool. It's really cool. But like Tabitha was dead. if, If I'm not careful, I'll categorize that as like, that's the ultimate. Let me just kind of speak to that for a minute. They're all miracles. And what I find funny is that the response Tabitha gets is much less than the response that Aeneas gets. Why is that? She was dead. I mean, literally, she was in the funeral home of the day. She was bathed. She was washed. She was in her grave clothes. She was fully prepared for burial. And they were in the, in the room mourning her loss. I see it. I see just, I've been in so many funeral homes. You walk in and everybody says, oh, they did this for me. And they were so kind with this. And, and all that. I'll never forget they said this to me. And they checked on me. And, and Peter walks in. And I'm like, look, this is the coat she made us. These are the good things she's did for us. He goes, oh, that's awesome. Can y'all move, just like, leave the room real quick? What? Like, can, y'all just, can y'all just walk out, give me a minute? Now watch what happens. The Bible says that Peter knelt and prayed. Hmm. Interesting. He knelt and prayed. Question. Did he pray for the guy? Or did he pray for, I mean, did he pray for Tabitha or did he pray for himself? Most theologians believe he prayed for himself. Because the Bible says that he knelt, he walked in and knelt, prayed, then he turned to the body. But he didn't do that for Aeneas. Right? I think sometimes we got the right tools, we just don't know how to use them. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. He simply turned to the body and speak. That was the same thing he did to Aeneas, he just spoke. Well, why did he pray? Maybe he needed to pray for himself that day. Maybe he was outside of his comfort zone. Maybe, maybe a crippled man was, was, was within his comfort zone, but, but somebody who was dead was kind of like a stretch for him. Well, I'm proud of him for praying. It speaks of his humility. It tells me that he knows he can't do it on his own. Get up, get up, Tabitha, he says to her, and her eyes open. She sits up. Peter gives her his hand. She gets up, and then he reintroduces her to everybody alive. They came for a funeral, <laughs> and they walked out of a miracle. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Golly. Wow. 
Once again, though, Peter walks into a situation loaded with possibility. You see, you can have the baddest gun on the planet, but if you don't load it, it's useless. You can have the biggest ship in the ship in the world, but if you don't load the ship, the ship's useless. You can have you can own a dump truck, and if you never load the dump truck, it's useless. Never lives up to its potential. It's not loaded. It's not doing what it was called to do. And as Christians, it's it's pretty useless. As a, a Christian's pretty useless if they're maybe I need to say it a little nicer. A Christian is pretty useless if they're not loaded with possibility. Because we walk by opportunities to give Jesus glory all the time. We don't have an opportunity shortage. We don't. There's not an opportunity shortage. In fact, there's more opportunities today than there's ever been. So let me show you a couple of ways I believe Peter got loaded. So how did Peter get loaded? <laughs> Some of you are struggling with that question because you're like, loaded meant something else to you at one point in your life. And, and you kind of go, wait, Peter got loaded? That's how he did it. He got Anyway, is that Boone's farm bomb telling <laughs> Don't take me the wrong way today. What'd you learn in church today, honey? Got to get loaded. <laughs> Got to get loaded. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know, but I know what loaded means. <laughs> Y'all better be careful. How did Peter get loaded? Number one, he knew the who. Peter knew the who. Psalms 103 verse 2 to 3 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Who? The Lord. Bless who? The Lord. Not bless you, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I don't want to forget all the benefits that come from knowing the Lord. He, he heals and deals with all my iniquities, my sin, and he heals all my diseases. Who does it? The Lord does it. I don't does it. The Lord does it. Come on, somebody. Who does it? Jesus does it. We've got to remember that Jesus forgives our sin and he heals our body. Because some of, us, some of us firmly believe that he deals with my sin, but you struggle to believe that he heals my body. Listen to me, I'm going to prove it to you in a minute. Jesus, he deals with your sin the same way he heals your body. He heals your body the same way he deals with your sin. I'm going to show you to you. Go with me to Mark chapter 10. I think it's 10 or is it 24? Mark, Mark don't have 24. Come on, I'm giving y'all a chance to correct me. Yeah, I told y'all, two. Two verse 10. Somebody help me. We trying. You're not listening. So Mark, go with me to Mark chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. Jesus is in a situation. I love, I love reading about Jesus being in a situation. 
He's in a house full of people, and they, they, couldn't, get, they couldn't get the crippled man to him, and they bust the roof, op- the roof open. Look, you need some friends like that. <laughs> Come on, so, and you need to be that friend to somebody else, right? You need to be willing to bust a roof open. To <laughs> yeah. And Jesus gets, he gets this guy, lands in front of him, and, he, and Jesus is getting ready to do something. Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. And all the religious people's minds, their fuses start popping. What, what did he just say? He said he, could, he can't forgive their sins. He's not that guy. He can't forgive their sins. Jesus knows their thoughts. Watch what Jesus says. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Now, this is, this is unique because he could have said the guy's sins were forgiven, but nobody else would have known. It's not visual. He says, so to prove to you that I have the authority to forgive sins, stand up and walk. Same authority to heal, same authority to deal with your sin. You got to get this. This is critical. You got to get this today. Same authority to heal as the authority that was needed to deal with his sin. You see, Peter and the apostles knew the who because of two reasons. Number one, they studied Isaiah. They studied Isaiah. And Isaiah, I'm going to show it to you in a minute. Isaiah points to Jesus, and Isaiah actually prophesies who and what Jesus is going to do and who he is and what he has the authority to do. They, they studied the scriptures, and then the second reason they knew the who was because they experienced it firsthand. That, that flips right back into what I said before I preached my, the, the first word of this message, that some of you have been through some stuff, and because you've been through that stuff, you know God better than you ever did before. That's it. That's it. You experienced God in that moment. You had a moment where God touched your life. And you walked out of it different. How do we know the who? You need to study the scriptures. And you need to open your life for Jesus to move in it so that you can experience him. And you'll forever change and you'll know the who better than you ever did before. So Peter got loaded because, number one, he knew the who. Number two, he knew the how. Oh, we got to know the how today. We got all kind of camps in the Christian world. We got one side of one camp says miracles don't happen anymore. And then the other extreme is, is everything's based on my measure of faith. And if I have 100% faith, then any and everything will happen. And it's two camps that are too, they're too far apart. We need to know the how. How? They knew the how. Watch this, Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, that's your sin. He was bruised for our iniquities, that's your sins. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. How are you healed? By whose stripes? His stripes. By his stripes, you are healed. So when they beat the tar out of Jesus, that was for your sin and your sickness. Do you see it? 
you got to see this. It wasn't for one and not the other. It was for both of them. Your sin and equally your sickness. Isaiah makes this statement. This is a little bit of a technical thing. I just thought it was interesting, so I'm going to share it with you. It says, and by his stripes we are healed. you got to remember Isaiah is saying this as he's looking forward to the cross. The cross hasn't happened yet, okay? So he's, he's saying it almost futuristically. He's saying, by his stripes, you are healed. That, that whole thing that he's saying is talking about Jesus coming. He's talking about the Jesus that's going to take the stripes. The stripes hasn't happened yet. The wounds haven't occurred yet. He's speaking of something down the road, but he's, he's looking from his position to the cross. Watch this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Peter says the same thing. He says, who bore himself, who himself bore our sins in his body, his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes, watch this, you were healed. Now how can he say were and Isaiah said are? How can he speak in past tense and Isaiah speak in future tense? How is that? What, what, what causes him to, the cross does? The cross was in the middle of both of them. Isaiah was looking forward to the cross coming. Peter was looking back at the cross already happened. Isaiah was waiting on the stripes and the wounds to happen. Peter was there when they happened. He, he heard about it. He saw it for the 50 days afterwards. He saw the stripes. So he's saying, by his stripes, you were healed. Why is that important? Why is it important? Are you hoping for God to do something? Or are you believing that God has already done something? This is where we are. They knew the how. You see, when you walk into a, an opportunity, you better know the how. You better know how it's going to happen because you, that's, that's dealing with this messing with your faith. It has something to do with what's inside of you. How's this going to happen? How's it going to work? How's it going to come about? Everything that's needed for that miracle has already happened. Nothing else can happen to change the miracle. So Peter's saying the same thing Isaiah's saying. He's just saying it years later. <laughs> Peter was loaded with the truth that Jesus had already bore our sins and healing, and with his wounds they were both dealt with. Peter's confidence was in the fact that Jesus, listen to this carefully, Jesus did it. He did it. He did it already. He did it. Ephesians chapter 2. Stay with me. I got a funny feeling some of you are getting pushed in a corner right now. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. Paul says this. Remember Jesus dealt with our sin and our sickness the same way. Verse 8, for by grace, say by grace, by grace, you have been saved through what? Faith. And that not of who? Yourself. 
It is a gift from who? Not of your lest you could far by grace far by grace through faith but not anything that you possess yourself feel a heaviness all of a sudden that's a good one it is a gift of God not of works because if it was in the least bit about works, you could take credit for it and you would receive the glory for it and Jesus would not. And then people would see you in the place of God and then all of a sudden you became an idol to people. For by grace. So he says that by grace we are saved. Then that must also mean that by grace we are healed. Grace is something that is given to us by God. It's a gift. He sent his one and only son to save us. That's grace. That's grace. You could not save yourself. You cannot heal yourself. It's by grace. It's when he sent his son to die on a cross and every stripe he took and every wound he took was a grace stripe. It was a grace wound that was given to us by grace. By grace. Come on. So These adults won't get it. I'm going back to children's church. (laughs) But watch this. We have a responsibility to respond to this grace by believing. By believing. So it's not the absence of faith. It's not a 100% measure of faith. It's by grace through faith. This is so critical today. By grace through faith, which means this. God already gave us the grace. We just need to believe it. Because the camp that's on this side that says it's all about faith, it leaves you believing you never have enough faith. It leaves you in a position where you're always lacking, which then turns and puts this pressure on you to always get or do or be something that you're not supposed to be. So in order to measure up with what other people believe, you start faking it. You start saying it like everybody else says it, and it ain't real. It ain't real. It's not by your measure of faith. It's by grace. And you believe in that grace and Jesus does the healing. What is faith? In this verse, you know what faith is? 
in the, in the Greek, it's defined as this, firm persuasion and a conviction based on hearing. Firm persuasion and a conviction based on hearing. You getting something? Oh, they knew the how. You see, when you know the how, you don't have to carry all the pressure. Jesus bore the pressure already. There's no more pressure you can bear. You don't have to sweat in prayer to get God to move. You don't have to strain in your physical sense to get God to move. He carried the pressure because he does the miracle. My only responsibility is just believe. Just believe. Can my faith grow? Absolutely my faith can grow. And my faith should be growing. So number one, he knew the who. Number two, he knew the how. Number three, he knew the why. Peter knew the why. That's how he got loaded. Oh, this is going to be good. Verse 35 It says, then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around, and they turned to the Lord. The whole population turned to who? Did they turn to Peter? They turned to the Lord. The whole population. Like whole. Like can you wrap your head around whole? Whole is a 12-inch sub. It's not a 6-inch sub. Come on, somebody. Whole is a whole chicken. I found a chicken place the other day. I ate three-quarters of a chicken. I repented afterwards, but it was good when it was going down. I don't know why I just told you that. (laughs) The whole population turned to the Lord, why do you need to be loaded with possibility every day? Could it be that the population that you get to influence would come to the Lord? It's not about you. It's not about how you feel. It's not about whether you're boudin or not. I've noticed God uses me more when I'm hurting the most. I notice that he uses me the most when I'm down and out the most. Why is that, Pastor? Because I finally get my own self out the way, and he goes, now nah, I can use you. And I go, wow, I just need to get out the way. Why? Because this ain't our forever home. Why? Because people are dying every day, busting the gates of hell wide open. People are hurting every day. They're struggling every day. They're falling further and further into the, into the lies of this world every single day. And you're God's representation to bring Jesus to them. So when you see an opportunity, you step into it with courage and you're loaded. They knew the why. (laughs) 
how, how do we get past how do we get past the fear of stepping into an opportunity? It's a good question. I thought it was a good question. I just got it. How do we get past that fear? When you love God, you love what God loves. When you love God, God loves people, you start to love people. Your love for people needs to be greater than the fear of what they might say about you. Mm-mm. Come on. I'm scared. I'm scared. Yeah, but do you love them? Do you love them enough to tell them the truth? Do you love them enough to present the gospel? Do you love them enough to put your hand on them and say, Jesus heals you? Get up and walk. Do you love them enough to risk your reputation? Do you love them enough that you might get posted on social media? Do you love them enough to not care what they think, but give them what they need? Do you love them like God does? That's how you get past your fear. It's by receiving the love of God that transforms your heart to where you start to love people like God loves people. I got some people right now, they frustrate the mess out of me. And if I ain't careful, I will spend hours complaining about them. I'm a pastor, but I'm not perfect. Last night, my wife and I were talking over some things. We were getting frustrated about some things. I said, stop, 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 stop. She wasn't the only one guilty. It was me too. I said, I'm not going there. I said, we have to pray for them. And we have to trust God to transform them. Complaining about them is the easiest thing I can do. Praying for them is the hardest thing I can do. Why? Because my flesh got to die before I can believe God to move in their life. And I don't like it when my flesh dies. Verse 42, let me move. The news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. Only a few believed. Well, many, many, many believed. I'm sorry. Let me, let me, let me correct that. Many believed, not, but not the whole population. I'm, why not? She was dead. He was crippled. I've learned that people get afraid when God moves. Like, there's people that will come into a church like this and sense the spirit of God and get highly uncomfortable. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe that's why. But this is what I know. The results aren't up to us. The results are God's. If he heals them, he heals them. If he don't, he don't. I'm not going to change how I feel about him. I'm not going to let my expectation of Jesus and he don't fulfill my expectation change the way I feel about him. 
I refuse to do that because my faith has been bombarded. My faith has been bruised. My faith has been damaged over the years because I swore God was going to do something and he didn't do it. And I got damaged in my soul and my faith got damaged. And now today, though, I'm going, I ain't feeling that way no more. I ain't going down that road no more. He's God. I'm not. If he heals them, he heals them. Praise God. If he don't, they're going to get healed on their way to heaven. Praise God. Because it's not on me. All right, number four. He knew the ifs. He knew the what ifs. Well, this is so good. I don't know if you think it's good. I think it's good. It's fun to write it, but it's even funner to preach it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Watch what Paul says. This is so valuable. Ah, healing's going to happen right here. Watch. Verse 20. Ah, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Wait, what? What did he just say? Dying's better? Dying's better. Are you you kidding? Dying's better. Heck yeah, it's better because heaven's better. Why are we buying into the lie that death is over, that death is the finality of everything? It's not. It's just an introduction to heaven. We got to flip the script in our mind. Yeah, people are going to die. I'm going to die. I don't want you to cry. I want brisket, <laughs> boudin, crackling for my wife, if she's there, you know, if I go before her, and, and a bluebell buffet. Come on, somebody. And I want you to put on five pounds at my funeral. <laughs> but if I live, I do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn. Come on, isn't this where we are? I'm torn. I got enough faith to believe that we're going to be in heaven. But, but man, I got this flesh inside of me that just says I don't want to let them go. I don't want to let them go. It hurts to let them go, but I know I'm going to see them again, but it hurts. I'm torn. I want to go with them, but I want to stay. I got other people here I love, but I love them, but I want to go. When my mama died, I wanted to go, but I couldn't go. I had a family. Torn. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. I hope this is helping. Paul is putting the grim reality in front of every one of us that all of us will die. The Bible even says that as it is appointed for men to die once, after this comes the judgment. Do you realize everybody in the Bible died? Except maybe Elijah. He might be the only one floating around. Just saying. Might show up in your room tonight. <sighs> Just picking. I know how we are around here. Superstition. Some of you going to go home. You better go to sleep. Elijah might show up. Tell your kids that. So it goes from the devil's going to pull your toes to the Elijah's going to show up. 
Either way, they ain't sleeping. <laughs> Just tell them Jesus loves them and he's, he's singing to them. And my job is not to heal people with my faith. My job is to apply my faith to the grace of Jesus and trust him to heal them. Let me get personal with you for a minute. My Band-Aid's coming off. I get blood. Double dose, y'all. Big Pastor Jamie gives doubles. Yeah, didn't blow my arm up this time. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dose hero today. Saved two lives. Come on. And I got a blankie. Look at my blankie. Y'all like my blankie? See? Is that a good plug? Is this a good place to plug this? Life, share, blood. <laughs> we recently celebrated Pastor Bubba's life and had one of the best funerals I've ever been to in my entire life. I've been walking with Pastor Bubba for 20 years. He was a father to me. He was a friend to me. He was a mentor. He was an example. I watched his faith come under attack so many times over the period of 11 years. I saw and heard the words of others that suggested he get more faith. I seen it actually work in adverse. It, it, in reverse, it worked backwards. People say, you need more faith. Well, what happened? All of a sudden he goes, I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith. I got to go get more faith so that I can get something from God. But it was already given by God. Thank you, Greg. I saw, I saw what the attack did to him. And I would come alongside of him at times and I would say, man of God, you got enough faith. You got plenty enough faith for God to heal you. You got plenty enough. You keep going. You love Jesus and I know you do. And he's already healed you. You know that. Declare that. And he was already declared. By his stripes, I am already healed. For 11 years. And I've seen well-meaning people give the wrong advice in a situation that didn't make anything any better. Pastor Bubba was one of the most faith-filled men I knew. And God did many miracles in his life over the 11 years. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Sitting in a chemo room, sharing the love of Jesus to all kinds of people. We were in, we were in New Orleans one time recently, and we ran into this guy. He says, hey, y'all... Y'all know Pastor Bubba? We're like, yeah, that's our pastor. Dude, he was in a chemo chair next to my mom, and he prayed over my mom, and she was struggling that day, and she, she, her faith in Jesus rose up, and, and she was better. She, she loves Pastor Bubba. But God didn't completely heal him while he was on this planet. Did he not have enough faith? Was it his fault he died? 
Was it? Was it, was it your loved one's fault that they died? Come on, this is where we're at, y'all. And this is what we got to nail down today. We got to nail this down. For some of you, this is deliverance and healing right now. For others of you, this is preparing you. This is loading the gun and getting you ready to go out and take this region for the kingdom of God. They knew the what ifs. What if the guy doesn't get up off the mat? What if Tabitha doesn't come off the table? What if? I preached a funeral one time for a baby who died not long after she was born. And every time I, I prepare for a funeral, I don't want to be one of these preachers that just gets up and gives a, a warm and fuzzy, like a generic warm and fuzzy. I, I don't know why I'm telling you this. It really ain't your business. But I, I really do just ask God for a word for the family. And since I started that, he gives me a word for the family. And in this, this particular time, I was preparing for this funeral, this baby, and I'd been praying for this baby there was complications during the pregnancy, and many of us were praying for this baby. And, and I had faith that God had already healed her. It's already done. I was praying and prepared for the funeral. And, and the Holy Spirit said, tell them they had enough faith. <laughs> Wait, what? Tell them at the funeral. They had enough faith. Okay. Like they did? Oh, yeah, they did. Huh. Okay. I was scared. I stood on that pulpit. I said, the Lord wanted me to tell you today. He heard every one of your prayers. And you had enough faith. The way I sit with all of this, I trust God to heal because he can and he already has. If he doesn't, I continue to trust him because he's always good. I know this, this is messing with some of your theology. I know for some of you, this is going to be something that you're going to wrestle with for the next couple of days, and I'm excited that you're going to wrestle with it. We serve a good God who loves us and cares for us. We don't know the whole picture. We don't know the beginning from the end. We don't know why. We desperately want to know why. Why didn't he heal them? Why did they go so early? We don't know why. Here's a question for you. Can you not know why and still trust and love and believe God to do it in the next person? Can you? Why? Because whatever he does, it never changes whether or not he's good. We're just really honestly wrestling with our lack of understanding. 
We just don't know. But we have a responsibility to believe. And to stand very strongly in that. You heard me say years ago, I will always swing for the fences. I will always believe for the supernatural. I will always believe for a miracle. I will always, always declare what Jesus is, what his stripes have already done. I will always do that. But I've come to a place in my life, once I do that, I'm done. It's on him. And when he does what he does, I still praise him no matter what. We celebrate the resurrection or we celebrate the beginning of eternity. I don't know if that helps. But I refuse to let my unfulfilled expectations stop me from believing that Jesus loves me and that he's for me. So where are you at today? You loaded? <laughs> so man, I might have to go get loaded after this message. Do you know the who? Do you know Jesus personally? And do you know that he's the one that does the healing? He's the one that's already provided the healing. He took the stripes. He took the wounds. They're already done. been believing God to do something and he ain't done it and you're wondering why could it be that you're putting more faith in your ability to have faith than what Jesus has already done could it be that you're more worried about what people would think if he does it or if he doesn't do it are you afraid to step into an opportunity and make a declaration, Jesus Christ heals you? And the what ifs are keeping you from doing it. Where are you at today? I'll tell you, if you don't know Jesus personally, that's where we need to start. That's where we start. So bow your heads with me this morning. I'll ask you to close your eyes. No need to look around. This is one of those moments between you and Jesus. Do you know Jesus personally? I mean, like, do you know him? recognize when he's in the room you recognize his voice do you know him if you can't honestly answer that with a yes I know him I want you just to raise your hand real quick nobody's looking around I see you one two three four anybody else say I just want to know Jesus else. Put them down.
you're here this morning and, and it's been a very fearful thing for you to step into an opportunity like this and speak for God. I want you to be real honest with yourself this morning. No one's looking around. The fears held you back. Would you raise your hand? Wow, all over the room. <laughs> Say this with me out loud. Say, fear, I evict you in the name of Jesus. Fear, you no longer live here. pray this together today. All of us, because four people gave their life to Jesus today. That's worth celebrating. Let's join with them as they make this declaration and this prayer. Say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today broken in my heart, broken in my spirit. I realize I don't know you, but I want to. I've got sin it's keeping me away. I want to admit that. I believe in my heart that what you did on the cross paid for all of my sin. Nothing else needs to be done. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead and you're alive today make a confession right here in front of everybody Jesus you're my Lord I give you my life I lay it down before you and I ask you to have your way your way is better thank you for saving me would you fill me with your spirit totally transform my life. I give you control. Now for all of us today, I want us to pray this together. Jesus, I've been afraid. I've hidden behind the what ifs. I didn't have confidence. Would you help me with that? Would you forgive me for not being bold, not being courageous? I ask you to help me see the opportunities in front of me every day and with bold courage, would you give me the strength to step into them bring you glory. I love you. I want to make you famous. I want you to be honored in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.